This is the Working Drummer Podcast. Working Drummer Podcast. Featuring ground level pros from all styles and regions. Real drummers with real stories about making a living in music. Hey everyone, welcome to Working Drummer Podcast. I'm Zach Albetta, and our guest this week is Luke O'Kelly. Luke is based in Athens, Georgia, where he started out in marketing, but eventually made the switch to playing music full-time. A big part of that transition was the success he's found on air gigs. Luke created a profile in 2016, and since then has become what air gigs calls a top-rated studio pro, with 110 five-star reviews. Luke has played with or recorded for a wide variety of pop, rock, country, and acoustic artists such as Daniel Harden, the Tootin Brothers, Oak House, and many more. This episode is sponsored by Sure Microphones, and they've teamed up with Focusrite to offer the new Drummer Bundle Track Pack. This is Focusrite's Scarlett 18i20 USB audio interface paired with Shure's DMK5752 bundle, which is three SM57s and the Beta 52 kick mic, all on sale right now for $899. Coincidentally, I have that Scarlett interface. I got it about six months ago, and I gotta say, this preamp and interface in one is a great piece of gear. It's compact and solidly built with full and transparent sound. It's been the perfect vehicle for me to learn the nuts and bolts of tracking, and I'm getting some really high-quality results in the process. I also recently got that mic bundle from Shure. Obviously, the 57 and the Beta 52 are indispensable for recording drums, and we've talked with many of our guests about how middle-of-the-road workhorse gear like this is more than capable of professional-quality sounds and, in fact, is often the best choice. Check out the link in this episode's show notes to learn more about this great deal from Sure. As you may know, our newest sponsor is Air Gigs, and we're featuring a series of segments with founder David Blacker about what Air Gigs is and how drummers can best utilize that platform. We'll be featuring one of these segments each week for the next few weeks, but you can get access to all of them at once with a donation on Patreon. As little as $1 a month gets you access to this and all the other professional development content we've put up there from former guests. Go to patreon.com slash working drummer. So let's hear the fourth of those segments now in which we talk with David about creating an Air Gigs profile and the different ways you can use the profile's features to really maximize its impact on someone considering hiring you and ultimately help you close more deals. For someone that wants to sign up, what do they put on their profile? There's a bio, there's uh, audio examples, there's pictures, there's a description of gear, there's different things like that. What have you seen works really well? for people, and this is from the yeah. seller side. This percentage of the folks who are doing really well on air gigs take time, like they take concerted effort to build the, both their profile page. So the profile page is available for both buyers and sellers. It's just sort of like where someone would go to find out more info on you. Their first point of contact with a drummer would would be through the the service listing that they create in the drum category. So you have these two sections, right? Profile and then your service page. And so I think like having a complete, first filling out that profile completely and telling a good story. And, and that story should be somewhat synced with the media and the images that you're using. You know, like 
you're kind of telling an over, you're telling a story with all your elements, whether it's your, your video or your, your, your media clips or whatever. So I would say, you know, your profile would be a more of expanded bio, you know, on who you are, what you're passionate about, what your musical journey has been, what, you know, your credits and awards, if any, and, and all of that stuff. But you also want to include that stuff in the service page as well. And one of the things, you know, um, that, you know, in speaking to Luke again, I was asking him what, you know, what did he notice when he was first coming up is he noticed that a lot of people didn't really take the time to really fill out both of these areas completely. Hmm. And, you know, if you look through the most recommended, if you sort by recommended on air gigs and you look at the most recommended people, 90% of them, I would say, feature a picture of themselves in some form or fashion. So it's not a piece of gear. It's not, you know, uh, an instrument. It's them. You know, it's a person because people are going to relate to people that they're going to want to work with. So whether you're selling a, an instrumental service, you definitely want to, I think, lead with a picture of yourself, you know, um, that is, you know, compelling. That's like high res and, 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 and you know, sharp. That's fascinating. What a great idea. And then similarly, if you sort by recommend and you start to listen to the audio clips of those folks. So when you go on the, the drum category, for example, if you're looking at the listings, there are two audio clips that are visible right under each listing. And that's really the first point of contact a, a, a songwriter or music creator is going to have with a, a session musician. And so let's say you pick a song. It could be a great song. But if, if that songwriter doesn't uh, connect with that song or that style or whatever, they're gone. They're moving on to the next person. So what a lot of people do, I think, that is a very effective and a far more effective strategy is create a reel, you know, with the first audio clip. So 15 to, you know, 10 to 15 seconds fading in, fading out of different tracks that they've played on. You know, that's, that's, that's going to be far more effective because it's going to, be able to showcase a range of styles in a short amount of time. And so that's a really important uh, point. And then the, the second part would be having some representative samples of the recordings that you're going to put out. So whether it's some, you know, room sound or like the kit in your, you know, in, in your studio so that a, a client can go, oh, wow, they've taken the time to like actually give me a s sort of sonic blueprint here of what the quality will be when I, you know, get a track. Nice. Um, okay. So those are kind of a couple important things. And then, you know, there are people who just like, they might, we have a space for a YouTube video, so they could put some cool performance, like they might've played some really, you know, amazing festival or gig or something and they put it in there, but it doesn't really highlight them. It's just a sort of good clip, but you know, that, that space you can use very creatively. You could invite people in, you could be in your studio, you could be talking directly to air gigs clients and, and saying how you work and, you know, what, what you do. And so it's that kind of effort, I think, for new people joining the site that really translates. And then of course, you know, we have the featured profile thing, which, you know, which is a paid promotion, but I wouldn't recommend doing that until you've kind of put the effort in to making sure both um, your your you know your your service page and your profile 
are, are complete, you feel really good about them, then you can feature it and it will give you more exposure, you know, more visibility. And so that's kind of like a good recipe for getting action on the, on the site. I like what you said about uh, including a picture of yourself, um, and it, it made me think of uh, you know posting stuff on Instagram. You you know you you see uh, especially drum videos just from all kinds of different angles. There's an overhead. There's from the side. There's just the hands. There's the straight on. There's there's all this stuff. And in my experience, the the videos that I post um, tend to get uh, like more likes and a better reaction if it's if the video shows my face. Um, and I don't, Absolutely. I don't know why that is like, I'm, I'm more attracted to videos where I can just actually see the person playing. Like if it's just their hands, then whatever. Um, but, uh, that's, it's, it's really cool to sort of connect that to, you know, just your, your air gigs profile. And it totally makes sense if, if, if people don't know what you look like, um, <laughs> they're going to be less inclined to kind of dig a little deeper and, and find out what you sound like. And, and this is like the complete opposite of what I did. I mean, this, my approach, (laughs) I had a picture that I liked that I had up there for a while, but when I went back and tried to restructure, and of course, one of the new pictures I put in was not a great photo, but it's a picture of my beautiful 1971 Ludwig all mic'd up in my space. And I, I, but I, it makes so much sense. I, I just, I don't like to have the picture of me. I don't like to, but hey, I like work. So <laughs> guess what? <laughs> you know, Matt, like it should be both, you know, like having a picture of your kit mic'd up is good. That's good because you're giving people a kind of feeling of what your room is like and, and you know, your gear is like. So, but just maybe not leading with that picture right. because it's all about what you're leading with because that's going to determine whether they click in to learn more and, you know, all that stuff. So that's a great point. And you're talking about a lot of these first impressions leading in, leading in with those audio clips. You have those, you have your first picture and you guys provide a platform for multiple pictures. So I can lead in with a picture of myself and then I have other pictures of gear that if they dig deeper, they can find that stuff. It's wonderful. Thanks to David Blacker of Air Gigs. That was a good segment for me to hear this week because a couple of those things he mentioned have been on my to-do list for long enough now. Got to get to them. Again, if you want to access all seven of these segments with David, go to patreon.com slash working drummer. So it became obvious to me why Luke has found so much success on air gigs and beyond. He's really easy to talk with, his playing is great, his sounds are great, just a really solid and low maintenance dude all around. So let's hear about how he does it. Hope you dig Luke O'Kelly. At UGA, like, um, I know that, that that's a very big, very good uh, music program, um, but what was your area of focus during college? 
Yeah, so I, I did not. I was not a music major. Um, oh, <laughs> I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I I studied uh, religion and communications actually, huh. and um, yeah, I've I've never been a big uh, reader or super didn't have a, a huge program in my high school. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of approached drumming more just you know kind of a band member uh, approach playing in church, that kind of thing. Um, and then, yeah, played in bands in college, playing with artists. Um, yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of what my experience was at PGA. Right. And, and Athens is like, uh, one of those towns that I, I feel like it, it punches above its weight as far as the music scene is concerned. Um, and, uh, you know, like it's, it sounds like you were, you were, in it just playing in those in those college bands and those original bands or maybe it was cover bands um but talk a little bit about like just that that small but vibrant athens scene and how it kind of shaped you as a player yeah man and uh also side note i'm a huge fan of the podcast so i've, I've heard a couple other athens folks on here yeah seth uh, uh we seth, had seth hendershot Scott. and yeah 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 so yeah man it's a it's a great town i mean like you said, it's got tons of bands. Um, it's got a big history. You know, most people know about REM and the B-52s and uh, Pylon, uh, Widespread Panic. There's, there's been a lot of bands yeah. through the years. Um, and I think that's always kind of encouraged a culture of acceptance for college bands. Mm-hmm. I think kids who love music, you know, maybe they're not uh, – looking to go to music school, but they like to write songs and want to make music with their friends. You know, they hear about Athens and they, and the legacy there and they go there and um, try and start a band. And so there's always bands forming and college students are really, I think the fuel for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and every once in a while, you know, a band will blow up and, and I think it kind of keeps that legacy going um yeah. so yeah it was fun kind of being a part of it i mean played with singer songwriters um a guy named uh jason ridley uh a guy named andrew wong um my wife and i played uh together with her solo stuff um that's right your wife is your wife a, a singer is she a singer songwriter yeah yeah she was actually a music major at uga okay. um and studied voice and she yes she's a singer songwriter um so yeah she's got a little project that we've been working on over the years um yeah i mean it was just kind of a lot of meeting up with friends jamming forming bands playing with artists you know and and, uh the 40 watt uh the caledonia rest in peace um all those little venues playing little house parties stuff like that yeah, yeah, and I mean, you you said rest in peace, kind of in in passing, but um, you know, is uh, has I'm sure COVID has uh had an effect and will continue to have an effect on on that local scene is in terms of the venues there. Yeah, I mean, it's um, I haven't been keeping up with it an insane amount um, as far as what venues are having a ton of events or, or doing virtual stuff. I know. I know uh, Hendershots is is doing a great job of Seth is doing a great job of keeping things virtual and, and uh, putting up really great entertainment there. Um, yeah. But I know 
I know Caledonia shut down, which is really sad. Um, and I think 40 is hanging in there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's been, you know, just like every town, I think every venue is struggling to you know figure out how to, how to make ends meet and, and persist till hopefully the end of, of the COVID era. But yeah, right. we'll see. It's, it's been an interesting time for sure. So after college, um, did you uh, did you sort of you know f- uh, forsake your degree and area of study and say I'm going to play music or was there a period of kind of like uh, doing a little bit of everything? Um, yeah, I kind of did a little bit of everything. Um, I I toward the end of my um, of my degree when I was about to graduate, I was actually planning to just go into marketing. I had you know, communications and religion are both obviously pretty broad majors. There's not like this super specific career track after right. graduate. And so a lot of people in that realm kind of float into marketing jobs, um, which that was kind of what I was planning to do. And then out of nowhere, uh, a pretty established artist um, kind of heard about me through some connections, needed a drummer. I filled in with them for a couple dates and um it didn't long story short it didn't work out i played like two or three shows and it just wasn't a a great fit and you know i hadn't been practicing a ton i like started shedding a ton and it was kind of a moment of like man uh i hadn't really um expected to go into music after i graduated but that experience kind of rekindled that um, desire and the possibility of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I went from there kind of straight into a marketing job. Um, a couple of marketing jobs that were not, um, the funnest, uh, and, you know, kind of a, kind of a, uh, just entering, I guess, quote unquote, the real world right. and kind of just sitting in the desk all day. So just, um, Kind of during that time, about two years of working in marketing, I started investing in recording gear mm-hmm. and uh, recording myself, doing kind of a drum cover thing, trying to record for people and, and just kind of digging into that realm. And um, I've always been fascinated with session drummers and drumming. I yeah. think just the precision of it and the the groove aspect of it um, always was just so exciting to me. And so it's something I was kind of digging into and trying to explore um, just different avenues of that. And, you know, continuing to kind of play with people with bands as I was working, there's a country band I was playing with that I still play with called uh, the Tootin Brothers. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so that started kind of ramping up a little bit. And some other gigs started ramping up a little bit. And um, the second marketing job I was in uh, was particularly um, <laughs> depressing. Um, the, my, my boss, uh, I'm, I may be giving away too much information, but um, he has gotten in trouble with the law since, since I left. And um, the company is no more. So it was definitely not... A, a great experience. So I, I quit that job. <laughs> got out. Got out just in <laughs> time. It sounds like. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, it was it was a crazy experience. Um, 
but uh, yeah, kind of moved from there into more part-time work and then also kind of splitting my time between playing and, um, and working. And I worked at a print shop actually in Athens uh, and then did the, the drumming thing and kind of throughout this whole process, uh, I know that, uh, you know, you guys have, have started to partner with air gigs, mm-hmm. um, past, past weeks, but I discovered air gigs and I think it was 2016 when I started tracking through there and just kind of getting my feet wet with, with working with clients and doing the whole remote thing. Um, trying to find recording spots. I one time had a client and had to go into uh, the UGA music school and record in one of their practice rooms. Oh, wow. Uh, and then, yeah. Then I, for a while, had a recording spot in an attic space of a commercial building. It was like an insurance company mm-hmm. that my uh, mother-in-law worked in. And she uh, <laughs> allowed me to so like set up a studio in the, in the top of it and after you know after hours yeah record up there um so it it sounds so like at the beginning of well it, it sounds like at the beginning of this you're kind of you're you're making this happen kind of however and wherever you can um so i just want to unpack a couple things like you've been playing live up till then you had been investing in recording gear uh you discover air gigs you create a profile on there um and sort of uh, you know when when you first uh sign up on air gigs like do you do you have a a sense of your place in the market as far as what you can offer the you know your level of expertise um you know talk talk about kind of those those early days of your remote career yeah yeah i think trying to create a career in music in general is always an experiment in like how seriously do I take myself and like what license do I have to be here? You know? And I think, yeah, yeah. I think you can always lean, lean too hard into one side or the other of like being way too self-conscious and feeling like you're an imposter or, or being, you know, way too confident mm-hmm. and just like completely burning bridges either way. And, and so I think when I signed up for your gigs, you know, I looked around and I think it was with COVID, a lot of people have signed up and it's gotten a lot more um, competitive, I think, or mm-hmm. just there's a lot, there's a lot more talent and there's a lot more live people who who weren't quite as interested in the remote session thing that are now interested in it. Um, so when I signed up, there were definitely high level guys. Like I was, I was definitely like, you know, not, I was definitely out of my league. I, I'll say that. And I, I, you know, started with really humble gear and, and I kind of set my price to reflect that, you know, I was basically want, really passionate about recording, wanting to, to meet people making music, wanting to record and, uh, wanting them to have a great experience and great good connections. And so I, I had a, a pretty low price to reflect that and not, not encouraging anyone to, to do that, I think that's a slippery slope into kind of devaluing yourself and mm-hmm. kind of probably leaning too far into the, um, you know, like, oh, I, I'm, I don't have a license to be here kind of mentality. 
Um, right. So I like, think, I, I think a lot of people, especially if they don't have a lot of, um, you know, experience or expertise, uh, recording themselves, you know, like, like you said, they, they want to create as many contacts as possible, get as much work as possible. So you're, you're trying to create a, a volume business, right? You're kind of like putting yourself in, yeah. in the, in the bargain bin <laughs> of air gigs. Yeah. So, yeah. so I guess my, one of my questions is like, did it work? in those early days for you did setting your price low, uh, even though you don't necessarily recommend doing that now did setting your price low kind of create a lot of work that you got a lot of experience and reps on. Yeah, it did. I mean, it's definitely like you get what you ask for. Mm Yeah. If you set your price crazy low, you're going to get people who the only reason they're hiring you is because you're the cheapest option. And that is not like, a sustainable kind of artist to work with, you know, I mean, right. there are people that will, you know, they'll give you a five star review, but they are, may ask, they may not explain their song very well. You know, they're not going to, it's going to be usually not great resume building material. So right. a lot of times these people are self mixing. Um, it's not going to be stuff you're very proud of. Um, there, if there's another drummer that comes along that charges $5 less than you, you know, a month later, you'll go to that drummer's profile and see like five, five star reviews from that person that hired me right. you know, for a song. It's and interesting. So it's it's interesting you talk about like you, you get what you ask for. I mean, in the sense of being a consumer, you know, like on the buyer side of air yeah. gigs, uh, you know, that, that producer or that artist, it's like, well, when, if you're hiring a drummer for cheap, you're going to get what you pay for. And, uh, you know, they might not yeah. have the cleanest sounds. They might not have the best gear, but you get what you pay you, you get what you pay for. And you're saying like, it also works the other way. Like if you set your price low, yeah. Yeah. you're not going to attract very high quality clients that are going to, I mean, you'll get You'll get a rep in on a project and you'll get a good review, but as far as, you know, the quality of work that you want to be a part of and as far as uh, a more sustainable relationship that will keep coming back to you, um, that generally doesn't happen <laughs> with with that price range. Yes, yes, exactly. Interesting. Yes, exactly. And and so, yeah, I think it was really good for me because I, um, you know, I hadn't had a lot of experience with recording and I hadn't built up a lot of chops and so having clients that, you know, were looking for the cheapest option that, um, you know, weren't necessarily valuing me super highly, um, was better than me getting like, I would rather have that happen than get the gig of a lifetime and then completely, you know, ruin it and not know what I'm doing. Right. It's a, it's a low mad. stakes, it's a low stakes kind of safe space to get your feet under you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. And so I think it totally got those reps in. I think I've done, like, at this point, something like 120 songs through air gigs. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I think at this point, um, you know, getting into recording is, is very interesting, which I, I know, like, lots of drummers, I've heard, I've been listening to podcasts and hearing a lot of drummers talking about getting gear and, and digging into it. And it's, it can be very interesting because, you know, you're listening to most of you here is, uh, be corrected or it's like the top guys in the world. Um, 
and you're trying to like create a portfolio of work that you know appeals to a generation of people who are used to hearing that level of product you know and so and so i think not to get off on too much of a tangent but i think it was good for me to build those chops and then build that confidence and then stand back and say like okay i'm not you know necessarily enjoying this i think i think also knowing yourself and what you enjoy is a big thing of yeah. like for me when i started you know i was like just getting that notification that i got booked was like oh my gosh can you someone booked me i'm like you know hundreds of drummers that's so great i'm honored right know? right but once you do that like 50 times you know you're like okay i've done this like 50 times and most of these songs I'm not super proud of. Like I would like to, and, you know, I'm going to up my price and, and look for better clients and, and try and try and connect this to my career a little bit more. Cause I, I think every time you strike out a new direction, there's like, you know, your core career of what you've been doing your whole life. You know, most people knew that I like to play drums, connecting what I was doing through air gigs to that in a way that builds my credibility um, you know, required yeah. me upping my price and um, being more selective. And I think I've, I've, I've heard, I've talked to a lot of people about air gigs um, and I encourage, you know, people to sign up for it. And I think sometimes people are thrown off by the, like, there are musicians charging a low price. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I think, you know, I, I think that it's kind of what you, what you make it, you know, you don't have to set your price crazy low um, out of desperation if you don't want to. I mean, if you look at air gigs as a asset to your existing career, you know, and your existing career might be this amazing thing, you know, set your price in a way that reflects that, you know? And, right. Right. Um, I think, I think if more people can be confident to do that and not, not be like, Oh my gosh, air gigs, uh, I've got to like, completely devalue myself to compete. I think that, um, it can create, I think, I think it helps the whole community. You know, the more people that are charging higher prices, um, for quality products that are legitimate session musicians, you know, it just, it rubs off on everyone. You could begin to live with a smile on your face. I was looking at your profile and it looks like you have kind of two different price points or two different services. Um, one of which is like, you know, pretty, pretty middle of the road. And I assume that's for you to, you know, engineer yourself at home. Uh, and then you have another service that's considerably more expensive, but it's like you get me and one of these professional studios in Athens. Um, so that's yes. that's a cool business model where like if if somebody's interested in in you they have these two different routes. Um, so so talk about like the the balance between you know the the work you get for just you versus the clients that want like you and that studio, um, and and how you've gone about yeah. kind of creating relationships uh, with those different spaces in town. Totally, man. Um, so yeah, I think that, um, you know, Athens is a, is a very small town and, uh, it, it feels like, I mean, like you said, it, it punches above its weight. Um, 
musically. And so it's, you can meet the people, the studio owners and the people that are, that have been around pretty quickly. Um, and so, and then also there's always students who are, um, the guys that own a lot of these big studios are active in UGA in the music business program. Right. Um, and so there are students who are getting internships through that program at these studios. And so if you are a student, you can usually find an inroad to these studios and try and create a relationship and learn the studio environment if you are interested in that. Um, and so it's a very friendly environment for that. Um, so I actually was not in the music business program. Um, I was told that I would have to like graduate late if I um, tacked that on to my degree. So I, I missed out on that. But my wife went through it. And so kind of just through her, I, I met a lot of the people in that community um, and and had friends that engineered at these studios. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I just kind of reached out to, to friends in particular that had you know, a key and, and the ability to engineer in these studios mm-hmm. and just said, Hey, like, do you want to, you know, team up on a project if I get hired through air gigs, um, and work on a track. <clears throat> and yeah, so I kind of just, um, got verbal agreement that that's, that's a cool thing to do. And then, um, it's definitely interesting when I get a request for the in-studio experience because, you know, the, the um, traditional studio booking process is way, way less flexible than the, you know, Luke Kelly's house um, booking right, <laughs> right. process. So, um, so yeah, I mean, sometimes there's definitely a scramble to, to like, oh, shoot, this studio is booked up for this month. So we got to like talk to the client, make sure they're cool with waiting a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, you know, 1093 CDO is booked, but community Chase Park, they've got great drums on Steeler or vice versa, you know, Chase Park's booked up in 1893. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's, um, I think it's two different kinds of clients. Um, and I think that it's, you know, like you said, like we've been saying, you get what you pay for. I mean, um, I think that you can either have a, uh, an experience where, you know, a drummer slash engineer is, is covering all the bases with what they can afford to have in their home studio versus, you know, a commercial studio with a lifetime of investment. Right. And a dedicated engineer can say like, oh, in the middle of a take, you know, hey, that actually, you know, the snare sounded a little, a little boxy. Let's change that for the next take. Right. Or, you know. I can get in my head and run things, you know, do way too many takes just because I can't step out of, of, of the process. And I, I don't feel right. Or I, I get in my head. Whereas if I'm with an engineer, they can, that's the take. We're good. Relax. Yeah. Like, right, right, right. That is great. You know? Yeah. Which I, is, which is, I think another thing I've heard people talk about. Yeah, I mean, I've tried to um, avoid that headspace uh, in, in my studio here. Um, and, you know, there, there are obviously times when, like, you're in the middle of a take and, and you know, something something happens or you feel, like, really not right and you're like, okay, this is not the one and you just stop. 
Um, some sometimes it's just obvious, but I've been trying to as much as I can, like you know, even if I don't feel quite right, you know, push through a take, get to the end. Even if I don't feel great about that take, don't delete it, <laughs> you know. And and oftentimes I'll come back a few yeah. hours later or the next day or something, and I'll be like, okay, that was that was fine. <laughs> you know, let's keep it. Um, yeah, so yeah, yeah I, like you know, Definitely. with when you're in you know a studio with another human, they they can save you that uh, that anguish or that day <laughs> by just like getting done with the take and like you said, like that's the one. You're you're good. Um, so I, I would imagine that you're getting more clients at uh, you know the the lower sort of you know Luke O'Kelly's house price point, but. Uh, how how many uh, clients like what what percentage would you say are, are going for the uh, the more expensive you know studio option? I would say it's it's very. I mean, I've to be honest, I've literally had one client for the in studio air gigs booking, mm-hmm. um, and they were great and they were happy, and I, I was really proud of how it went. Um, but yeah, honestly, at this day and age, um, with, I think the, just the ease of, you can, you know, book me and then through my house, you know, in a day I can send you a track and you can tell me if you like it or not. And I can retrack it without booking more studio time. So I think that with remote recording, there's definitely the benefits of going into a commercial studio, at least in my experience, um, seem to be outweighed by the benefits of the convenience of just being able to first up back and forth. Um, I, I do think that there's an opportunity for that to change. Like I think there is a, I keep talking about other interviews on this podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm glad you're listening, a, man. We appreciate it. Yeah, man. It's, it's awesome. I mean, I really enjoy it and get a lot out of it. Um, but there's an interview that I heard recently where a guy in LA <clears throat> was, uh, had a relationship where he had a kind of permanent setup with, uh, with a studio and he was, yeah. Um, uh, Randy cook. Able um, to just, yes. Randy cook. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I think that, you know, my relationship, these studios are really, really busy and I don't think have the capacity, um, to have their own, like my Luke's corner, you know, to kind of permanently just have access to. Um, and so I do think there is an opportunity for studios to kind of prioritize and and maybe streamline the remote thing. Mm -hmm. And, um, one thing I've thought about is reaching out to studios and seeing if they wanted to figure out, figure out a way to zoom remote clients into the studio so that they can get that in-studio experience. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, right now I think, I think it's definitely a lot more just, you know, at the middle, uh, home recording price point, um, that have been reaching out to me. But I would imagine it's but, still it's still worth it to to sort of maintain that option because you know obviously like yes, go, you know yes. getting to getting to track in a professional studio is usually an enjoyable experience and 
Um, you know, it's getting, it's getting that studio is a small business. That studio is a local small business. So it's getting them some work. Um, and so, yeah, even if it's, uh, even if, uh, it's very occasionally that a client takes advantage of that option. Um, I, I think it's a, it's a cool option to have. Yeah, man. And I, I, that's one thing I've seen on air gigs is just differentiating yourself and having different options. I mean, honestly, you know, God knows what people are looking for on, on that website. You know, I get so many different kinds of clients and I have no idea why they picked me and my service. Um, and so I think it's a great idea to, you know, if, if you primarily like to play country music, just say that, you know, just say like country drum tricks or do you primarily like to record in a commercial studio and you know then just create a listing for that you know yeah and i think sometimes people feel like they need to say like pro drum tracks you know or whatever right cover all the bases so we did this we did this like series of segments with uh david blacker the the founder and ceo and it's it's just kind of a lot of the abcs of air gigs and how to how to navigate it and how to make the most of it and and you're touching on something that he touched on um which is you know, don't, don't try to be a jack of all trades on air gigs. Um, you know, be, be specific about the kind of player you are, the kind of music you want to play. Um, and it reminds me of this. Uh, so you, you just posted this thing on air gigs. They had you write up, uh, eight reasons you might not be getting remote session work. And number one is be honest. Um, and I, I love that that's number one because it's, it's just, uh, you know, I'll, I'll let people like go to that link and, and, uh, read, read all eight of these things. But basically you're saying like, don't bullshit anybody. Don't bullshit yourself. You know, be, if, if you have limitations in your setup or, or whatever, like be honest about those. If you have aspirations, be honest about those. Uh, you know, just be very transparent about what it is you're there to do. And if what it is you're there to do matches up with what they need, that's when the best results happen. Yeah, man, totally. And I think I think that we assume as musicians and drummers sometimes that the studio environment is very mysterious. And they're like, I was saying before, you know, it's like you hear all these beautiful drum tracks on all the songs we love and it sounds so perfect and you know, most, I think there's tons of insanely talented musicians that haven't spent tons of time in the studio. Yeah. And, and so I think moving into that world, you can feel like, oh my gosh, I've got to be everything and I've got to be perfect and I've got to have all the answers. When in reality, I mean, the top guys in the world, I mean, I think probably Aaron Sterling and Ash Stone probably are some of the, the bigger yeah. Kind of recording guys. I think this is this is probably the fourth this is the fourth straight interview I've done where Aaron Sterling's name has come up. Like he's he's just becoming the undisputed <laughs> king, man. <It's... laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, I think I think those two guys, uh and there's lots more that are sure, killing, you know, sure. not to say they're those are the only two, you know. But uh yeah, I think those two guys are recording out of their homes. They don't have an insane amount of gear. They have great gear, but it's not the it's not necessarily better than everyone else's. Right. You know? And 
I mean, Aaron, Aaron Sterling in particular, I've heard him joke about his interfaces that he has the same ones that he started with when he was like playing with the idea of recording himself. He hmm. just like got these okay interfaces that, mm-hmm. and he, he was like, I'm not going to say what they are. Um, but <laughs> if I did, people would lose their mind because, because they're not that good. Yeah. And like, He's like, big records have been made on these and people don't know what they're being made on. And it just cracked me up because he's such a, like, I don't know. I look up to him also just because he's such an approachable guy and mm-hmm. just funny guy yeah. to, to see on social media. And he, I think, does a good job of demystifying the whole process and realizing, helping people realize, like, this is not rocket science. And, you know, these aren't machines that are, pumping out these tracks. These are human beings. Every human being has their own feel, you know, and things they're good at and things they're not good at, you know? And, uh, and it's, it's super relational too. And I think realizing that and, um, and, and then out of that realizing I have something to offer, you know, I have a voice and something that no one else has. Uh, I think that's super important. And then I think that can help you not devalue yourself and and feel like you have to lie or or inflate your credits or whatever. Um, but just yeah, be honest. Right, and I I think you mentioned in in your article that like you know sort of the. Uh, if if you're if you're not being a hundred percent honest and you're you're taking this kind of like fake it till you make it approach, that can that can backfire. You can get yourself into a situation where you're in over your head, you you know whether whether it's like you don't have the gear, you don't have the expertise, you don't have the time. Like it, it's possible to uh, bullshit yourself into uh, a bad <laughs> situation that's gonna have negative effects on uh, you know your yeah. reputation or your career moving forward. Not not to be too uh, uh, alarmist about it, but you know. Yeah, totally. And I mean, if you screw up a session or if you screw up a gig, you know, if you're a good person that's trying to be honest with people, they can, you know, people can get over that. They may not call you back, but they're, they're not going to like have, have something against you you know, personally. But if you start, if you, whether that's a remote or live or in a commercial studio, if you are saying dishonest things, you know, then that, I think, uh, takes it to another level of, Hey, I might spread the word, this guy, you know, look out for this guy. Um, you know, so, and I think, I think that, you know, air gigs does a good job of, of trying to vet people and, and look over listings and make sure that, uh, transactions are going well. And if mm-hmm. there's a problem or something miscommunicated, they're really good at, you know, making sure that no one, whether that's the buyer or the seller, is being wronged. Um, and and I think that just as technology gets better, the disconnect between your, you know, virtual persona and your claims online and your real life self, you know, it's going to get harder and harder to fake. And if you're if you're trying to go down that path, it's just going to become more and more obvious.
creating an air gigs profile uh you know sort of coincided for you with just getting into do doing more remote recording work so over the last you know four years um is is the bulk of your remote recording work through air gigs or uh do you have sort of a separate network that you also work through um and then uh, along with that um has has air gigs led to some sustained relationships that keep keep hiring you and keep coming back to you um because i i know it's easy especially at at you know a certain price point like you mentioned it's easy to just uh just be doing constant one offs that never lead to anything else yeah yeah and i i think um so first first question was the ratio of like how have I been able to create kind of outside of AVs? Yes, I think I would encourage everyone, no matter what service you use, if you're on Air Gigs or Sound Better or any of these, um, I've actually signed up for Sound Better and just had a lot more success with Air Gigs. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think Air Gigs is uh, maybe just a little more approachable to the ground level, you know, working, working pro mm-hmm. to quote the podcast. <laughs> that's our, that's one of our taglines, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. It, it's, it's gone into my subconscious. It's there now. <laughs> that's yeah. right there. Um, <laughs> week after week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think I think Air Gage is a little bit more approachable for someone who isn't, you know, a celebrity musician um, to get involved in. Um, but whatever whatever thing you're on, whether that's even Instagram, if you're like reaching out to people over Instagram, I think I think relationship over platform is always gonna be the best way yeah, to go. Yeah. I mean, it's about people. It's about getting to know people. I mean, at the end of the day. Um, you know, it, it is about relationship and I think I have, you know, kind of striven to develop relationships outside of air gigs and not just be like the air gigs guy. Right. You know? Sure. You know, the internet, the internet drummer. Um, and I think, I think rightfully so sometimes people are kind of wary of, you know, like, Oh, you're like the top online session drummer. You know, I think, people want to just know like, are you a real person at the end of the day? Like, do you have real experiences? Are you from a real place? Um, and so, yeah, I've definitely, um, tried to create relationships with people I play with live and people I know who are creating music. Yeah. And um, it's interesting. Like you, you mentioned like, are, are you a real person? Are you from a real place? Um, and it, it just kind of made me think that like, whether it's an Instagram profile or an air gigs profile or something like a, a lot of people's, a lot of drummers, uh, and, and musicians sort of online presence, like it doesn't, it doesn't really feel real. It feels like it could be a bot. <laughs> it could, it, like, it could be this musical yeah, yeah. bot that is just putting all the right things in all the right places. Um, and it's <laughs> like, yeah, well, yeah, this is high quality, but I don't, I don't feel like I I don't feel like this is a real person. Yeah, totally. Like, I, I think, I think that when, when I thought about developing a career, 
I pretty quickly had to realize like, okay, it is a TikTok video of me spinning um, drumsticks that are on fire. Uh, is that going to like cross over to like getting a jazz combo gig, you know? And, I, and it's not, you know, right. and I think not, not that I'm like out to be the, you know, jazz combo guy, but um, I think, I think you have to be honest with yourself and say, you know, there's so many different platforms nowadays and um, they all kind of have a different shtick that they're good for that mm-hmm. is more or less related to reality. And so I think, that just being aware of that and then realizing like, you know, okay, do I want to spend, you know, two hours a day trying to get my video production chops up when I can't read music, you know, or when I haven't met anyone that plays music in my town. And, you know, I think having that balance of like, uh, being well-rounded and having like, you know, don't just post, uh, drum covers of the chain smokers um, on your Instagram all day. You know, maybe if did you play a wedding gig, like show people you're playing a little wedding gig. You know, like are you working on songs with you know a guy in your community? You know, like show people that. And yeah. if you want to establish a real life um, career with longevity, I think learning to not tie yourself to a platform and to develop real relationships that kind of supersede whatever platform you're on. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's super important. Right. And, and I I love what you're saying about like relationships over platform. Um, but one thing I'm curious about is, uh, are there, are there any instances of, um, a relationship that like started as a one-off on air gigs? Like, have you created some, uh, you know, more sustainable relationships with any artists or producers through air gigs. Yes. Yes, totally. And I, and I try and I, to, if it's an air gig relationship, not like, Hey, come off the site. And sure. like, um, you know, let me, uh, we don't have to pay that commission kind of thing. Right. But just on it, be, trying to be honest about it. And if someone hired me through air gigs, keep it on air gigs. Um, just because, you know, they got me to be in the first place. Um, so yeah, I, I totally have though created some great relationships with people through air gigs and on air gigs. And it's been awesome. I mean, that's the cool thing about it is I think, um, there totally are people on air gigs who will browse and look for a drummer or any other musician. And, um, and hire somebody and if, if it was a good experience in the person and you related well and got along well, then they will totally hire you again. They're not going to just go, well, I'm going to try this other guy, you know, right. They're totally, um, they feel a connection and a, an appreciation. And that's another thing that, um, I think I put it in that article as well, but just showing that you're excited about projects. Yeah. You know, I think that, you're not always going to be working on projects that are like, you know, top 40 hit quality and that's okay. I mm-hmm. mean, if you talk to any drummer or musician that's been involved in recording, you know, everyone has played on stuff that isn't 
that they're not crazy proud of. And um, that is okay. And you don't have to be a jerk about that and tell people, you know, like respond with like one liners. Um, but showing people that you care about them as people and that you're excited about about their music, even if it's not, you know, going to be on the top of the charts. Um, you know, I think, I think that goes a long way and people will really... Yeah, that's it's the difference between you know somebody who's excited about recording drums versus somebody who's excited about making music with people. Yes, totally, and and those things are very wrapped up together. You know, we all have career aspirations, and you know, can get frustrated with you know our own ability to 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 do what we want to do. But but I think you know, just treating everyone really well. And that, that goes for any realm, you know, just whatever gig you're on, just being a good hang and being a, yeah, know, there's, just a, a person that's good to be around. There's a musical equivalent. Like you can, you can tell when a drummer is more into the drums than the music, <laughs> you know? Um, and, and I think yeah. that like, there's yeah. a, there's a parallel with relationships. Like if, if, you know, if if it's obvious that you're uh, more concerned about you know your own drumming um, than you are about the song and the relationship and their point of view and the fact that you're working with another person, um, you know, you're prob- that that's not that's not going to leave them feeling super great about working with you because you're if you're more wrapped up in your drums than in their song, um, that's that's not that's not yeah. who they want to hire. Yeah, totally. And that, that even gets into, you know, your playing style. Yeah. You know, I think, I think that the vast majority of the time you're not going to be pushed to your, you know, chops limit on, on sessions, but there's so many other skills that are very difficult and, you know, really worthwhile to learn. I think, yeah, I think totally. for me, one of the, sorry, go most, ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Okay. Uh, I was just gonna say for me, like, I think one of the most difficult things is learning to, you know, if, if there's no one with perfect timing anatomically with the click. And so learning to play well with someone's pre-recorded track, um, and make it groove really well. Um, and you know, that may mean you play perfectly to the click or as best as you can, or, or that may mean like forgetting the click and trying to figure out where it ebbs and flows. And that is an insanely hard talent and thing that everyone is honing and trying to get better at and will maybe miss on one song and nail it on another song. So yeah, that's just one example of something I, that. Yeah. You don't I'm think experiencing about. the same thing. Like, you know, when, when you said you're not going to get pushed to your chops limit most of the time, um, I, I flashed back to a couple of days ago, I was texting with a, a buddy of mine here in Atlanta and we were just kind of catching up about what we had been doing over the last few months. And I was like, uh, you know, I, I, I've, I've been spending a lot of time in the studio getting this home tracking thing together. Uh, I was like, I don't feel like I have become a better drummer. Like I have not been shedding <laughs> the drums, you know, I've just been yeah. shedding, learning how yeah. to do this. And, you know, it, it made me think of uh, a bunch of the sessions I've done where, like you said, I, I am not getting pushed 
to really anywhere near my limit as far as chops, but I'm getting really pushed to my limit in terms of my focus and my concentration and my execution. Um, and, you know, even if it's yeah. some, something as, yeah. as simple as making a really smooth and intentional transition into the chorus, you know, that's something like on a wedding gig, I would just like blow past it and here we are and we're in the chorus and they're dancing and like, you know, it was just kind of a mindless thing. And, and I'm having to be and wanting to be so much more mindful in my playing um, for this, for, for this yeah. tracking thing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, man, it's funny you mentioned the wedding gig thing because I think when we met, I mentioned that I was starting to do some some wedding gigs uh, in Atlanta. Yeah, uh, with Emerald Empire, yeah. and uh, it was funny because I had kind of come from you know trying to do the remote session thing in my room a lot. To and I've 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 done you know a handful of wedding gigs and you know long party gigs and stuff, but it's funny because. I've kind of had the opposite experience of like, you know, I got to get out of my head and like, I can't stop the, you know, click space bar and go back and listen to that take of that song and, and say, yes, or no, I'm going to do it. You know, I just got to like plow ahead for three hours and, you know, just kind of relax and not overthink it. So it's totally, like you said, completely different mindsets Yeah. Um, between the two. Yeah. Interesting. Um, and like, I, I've also found in here that like, uh, you know, while, while I want to be, you know, very mindful and very intentional about, about everything I'm playing and, and how I'm playing it. Um, like you mentioned earlier, it's, it's really easy to just get in your head and, and paralyze yourself so that nothing feels good. Nothing sounds good. Um, I, I had this experience where like, I was doing a I was doing a track for a remote client and I spent like a good amount of time doing a few different takes and um, kind of you know chopping them putting a few together to create one good one like I, I spent a few hours working on this and I was happy with what I came out with um, and I sent it to him he was happy and and he said you know if if you don't mind just like give me give me one more take of the same vibe the same ideas. Um, or similar ideas so that I can just have some options as far as which fills I want to use. Um, and, uh, and I, I said, sure. So like this was a day later and I, I went into that with just a, just like, just play, just fucking play. Like you've already got a good take, a good set of ideas in the bag. He's happy with it. So now just, just play, don't overthink it. And I, and I did one take and it felt great. And it sounded great. And um, so I'm, I'm trying to find this balance yeah. of like, be mindful, be intentional, all that shit. And at the same time, like, man, you know how to play. Just play. <laughs> yeah, man, that's real. I mean, I've, I've like had to watch out for that. I mean, I just moved houses and uh, this is actually the new studio space I've been working on. Oh, cool. Um, actually insulating this wall. It's a little chilly in here, so getting it a little warmer and just absorbing some sound and, and kind of tightening up the room a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and then holidays and, and things like that. So I, I hadn't been practicing and playing or recording very much. And I started working on a track for somebody. And I was like, 
there's always kind of this apprehension of, oh man, am I going to be completely off my game? Um, but I cranked it out and I felt like I was playing super tight um, without trying that hard, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think that, I think you're totally right. Trying to find that balance of like, oh, I like rushed into that course. I need to not do that. But then also being able to stop that way of thinking and just have fun and, and, and just deliver. And I think that always ends up sounding better. Yeah. Yeah. There's also this balance of like wanting to come up. It was, it was for this same client where like I, I came up with what I thought was some like really cool, unique uh, drum parts that like complemented what was going on in the song. Um, and uh, he sort of, you know, uh, politely and, and constructively said, uh, y- like, you've just, uh, you- you've overcooked it. You've overdone it. I just, I, I just need kind of regular, regular backbeats. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, so there's, there's yeah, that yeah. balance of like not getting carried away with like, I'm going to come up with the most interesting drum part ever for this Austrian worship song, (laughs) you know, it's like, they don't, they don't, they don't need you to be, they don't need you to be Steve Gadd. They, they just need some solid drums with a human drummer. Um, so, uh, have, have you, have you gotten yourself in trouble, like going down that path of, of, uh, getting too cute by half? Yeah. Literally when you said that about doing too much, I was like, yeah, in my head, I was thinking, you don't have to be playing 50 ways to leave your lover. <laughs> and then you said, you know, right. um, yeah, man, totally. I think, I think especially when I started, it was like, you know, I was trying to make every, every track, like my signature track yeah. kind of thing. And, you know, that's just not going to happen. And I, again, like, um, Aaron Sterling going back to that cliche, but you know, he's a great example of that. He says like, people are always raving about his thing and how he's like so great about his thing. But he was like, man, sometimes people don't want my thing. Mm. He said, sometimes I like going into a situation and being told what to do. And Oh yeah. I love not, it. Jesus. Yeah. Give me marching orders, please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, it, I would much rather do that than someone asked me to delve into the depths of my soul and discover who the true Lugo Kelly is, you know, like (laughs) drumming wise that, you know, who the heck knows? Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. So I think, I think there's, you know, 90% of, of, uh, what you're going to be asked to play and what's going to move your career along is, is stuff that most people can play, you know, but it's, um, it's how you play it, you know, and it's, it's, um, the attitude you have and it's the tones you have and yeah. the feel you have. Like on the opposite end, you mentioned, you, you know, you mentioned 50. Wa- Sorry, go ahead. No, no, you're good. I, I, you mentioned 50 ways and, and, you know, Aaron Sterling and all these like, you know, guys that come up with super creative, awesome parts. And then on, on the other side of the spectrum, I, I thought of uh, Keith Carlock. Cause I always think of Keith Carlock and that's a guy that can just take like, and make it sound like nobody else. He didn't come up with an amazing part. He just has an amazing feel. And that's why, (laughs) that's why he's Keith fucking Carlock. So like taking that approach of like, I don't have to come, I don't have to reinvent the wheel. I just have to make the wheel feel really good. (laughs) 
Yes, yes, totally. And I mean, Keith Garlock has played with everyone and their mother, you know, yeah. that, like you know, Steely Dan and, you know, John Mayer. So, Wayne yeah, Krantz I think, and, I think the yeah. people, yeah, everybody. I'm, I haven't even kept up with his career as much as or you have or other people. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think – I think that's a great point that everyone should think about. And that, that goes for guitar, I'm sure as well. And yeah. you know, every instrument. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, well, cool, man. Thank you. Thank you for uh, talking with us. Thank you for being part of this uh, sort of air gigs chapter we're in. Um, I, I think it's it's really uh, it, it's been hugely uh, educational and inspirational for for me just to to get on air gigs, to talk to David, to talk to you um, and uh, keep it. Keep it up, man. You're you're killing the game over there. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm glad that we can uh, kind of collaborate and uh, cross promote and help each other out. So. And, and I, I should have mentioned earlier, like you're you're running Air Gigs uh, social media as well, right? Yes, yes. I um, I'm kind of on a contract uh, relationship with them, and, and I, I run their Instagram and do some consulting and and uh, do some article writing for them as well. Um, so yeah, if you ever want to reach out to me, um, send air gigs, Instagram, and I'll probably be the one responding to it. Cool. Um, cool. So, so people, people can hit two birds yeah. with one stone, reach out to air gigs. And, and it's also Luke on the other end there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and don't, don't abuse me too much. <laughs> I'm trying to, to field the questions. Right. Trying to keep everybody up. happy. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Cool. Well, thanks again for talking, man. Yeah, thank you. Thanks to Luke for that talk. It was good to hear his down-to-earth approach to this remote recording game that so many of us are taking a run at these days. And good to be reminded that whether you're talking about playing or managing relationships, uh, just getting the basics right goes a really long way. Next week, Matthew Krause will be talking with Nashville drummer Brian Zach, whose career has also taken him through New York and Las Vegas, and who has gained a reputation.